Today we have Tyler Prawl here, and Tyler knows his dedication. Tyler, what would you like to dedicate this episode to? i like to dedicate this episode to my mom and dad, uh, uh, Bill and Pauline Prawl. And, and also, uh, today is my older brother's birthday. His name's Blake. Uh, just want to wish him a happy birthday. Ah, hey, happy birthday, Blake. Yeah, I, I, I like that. All right. <laughs> I'm Nick Vladichek. Thanks for listening. Thanks for finding us. Today we have a special guest. Uh, it's his first time uh, doing a podcast. It's as much excited as I am. Yeah. Today we have... Uh, my name is Tyler Prawl. Hi, Tyler. So, Tyler, why don't you tell everybody before we get started, what is it that you do creatively? Uh, I am a uh, airbrush artist. I paint with my airbrush and also I dabble in... Uh, digital arts. I use a illustration program called Affinity, Affinity Designer. Right. Yeah. Um, so you do mostly airbrush. You do all the things that I'm scared to do. You do airbrushing yeah. and digital work, and I do the old-fashioned way. So I think that's one of the most, most of the fascinating things. We actually met at uh, LionCon a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, we uh, we met at LionCon. Um, we were originally supposed to be at the weight park event center but they moved it out the lot there there was something where the construction wasn't uh ready wasn't finished so we moved to like the sartell event center so that's where i i met you at i think i only have about two displays up because then um right that's how we met a couple of years ago but um what is are you going to be at nerd and out con uh, yes i'll be at a uh, nerding out con in uh october 23rd through the 25th Okay, so you can have a table there. Yeah. yeah, I'll have a table there with a little bit more stuff. I, I expanded a lot more over the years. And uh, I'm still learning the you know the process of se- of selling my artwork. Right. I think everybody, artists, not just you, but I think every artist, the navigating promotion and promoting yourself yeah. is something that's kind of hard to do. It's not really something natural for us, but... Making it, yeah, sure, we can make it, but then they have to how how we navigate how to promote it, all this stuff. But this is a great avenue to promote yourself is doing a podcast. So, so Tyler, we'll talk about how you make all your airbrushes and, and subject matters. But since it's a movie podcast, is there a certain movie that you really enjoy the, before we get move on? Um, uh, right, currently, um, since the since the pandemic, uh, since the pandemic started to us slow down and started to go to movies and the recent movie I saw that I actually enjoyed was uh was a uh mo- it's a demon slayer it was a demon slayer movie it was called uh, Mugen Train I think it was like the first uh movie what is it called again Mugen Train uh, yeah it's a it's a it's a it's based off an anime oh all right uh, it's that's based off a of manga. It's called Demon Slayer, and they had their little movie called The Mugen Train. <laughs> okay. So how'd was, you find it? I was, you know, it was it was playing at the at the Monticello Enigma uh, multiplex, and I went there 
went there like going, okay, I know nothing about this show. I only seen like a couple episodes. So, so like, uh, I, I enjoyed it. It was new. And also it was like the, the biggest movie in Japan. Really? Yeah. It's it currently knocked off a uh, spirited away as like the top grossing movie. Well, that that is a big marker because everybody knows about spirited away. Yeah, right? yeah. That's a big that's a big accomplishment. The, but my all time favorite movie is you know is probably the you know the Lord of the Rings, the Matrix, and and uh, like the Star Wars movies. Yeah, we talked about the last time you were showing at uh, Springcott. We talked about that you loved all those epic trilogies. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, um, is that gives you inspiration to do artworks? Um, like, you saw the movie, like, maybe I'll do, like, a, a, one of my art pieces, like, inspiration for that. Yeah. Um, what, well, I usually look for, like, inspiration for my art. Like, I usually go look at old, uh, sometimes fantasy paintings, um, uh, like Frank Frazetta, especially. All right, everybody know we all yeah. know. Yeah, you and I both know who he is. Yeah, right? I think I, I think I'm like at the my. I think I was at the cuffs of knowing who he was. My mom actually showed me a documentary about him on IFC. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was very fascinated about his artwork, and then um, I got interested in kind of like when the comic book industry kind of sort of collapsed on itself in like the late 90s early 2000s the uh you know the michael turners the j scott campbells like you know i got interested in their artwork and their style of artwork so so if anybody really not really familiar with tyler's artwork if they know kind of those artists they get kind of where he's coming from from an illustration kind of a point um you don't really do you do mostly like single shot for you don't lose like what i do i do comic books with multiple stories and you do mostly just like a single yeah single shot yeah um you since you work with airbrushing and digitals and all that stuff when did you get started with airbrush um it was actually um it was actually my uh you know towards my senior year of high school there was like uh right around the time uh discovery channel used to do these uh shows called the the great biker build off or and uh, American Chopper, and they would have like these airbrush artists on. Right. Okay. And so I got interested in using that, but I didn't know there was like a- other avenues to use it because the you know the only avenue I saw was like custom automotive artwork, which is still beautiful. Right. They use airbrushing to to um, custom made for your cars and everything. Uh, yes. And then that's how you, that's how you got into that's how you got started. Okay. Yep, I, that's how I got started, and then I went to I, I didn't get accepted into art school. Uh, one because uh, you know, unfortunately, art school is still expensive to go to. Yes, and yes. Uh, here in Minnesota, yes, yeah, and, and also uh, if you get into the big the you know the big school back home was a uh, California art. California Arts Academy, which is down in Southern California. Okay. Uh, if you ever get a scholarship there, you know, just take advantage of it because it's normally, uh, when I looked into it, it was over $90,000 a, a semester. It might have gone up more. That's amazing. Yeah. 
amazing. So you're originally from California. Uh, yeah, um, I, I'm from originally Woodland, California, but the nearest city would be uh, Sacramento, California. Just a little bit, not really south, but you're not really north. No, yeah, I'm in the kind of the little bit. It, I'm two hours away from San Francisco, and... I'm, uh, you know, a couple hours away from Lake Tahoe, so kind of in the somewhat middle of the state. Yeah, right. So how'd you come to come to, up to Minnesota? Um, Want to experience winter? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, what happened was uh, during the 2008 financial crisis, um, the housing market sort of went from nuclear, nuclear white hot <laughs> <Yes>. to... Uh, <laughs> To uh, kind of like it, kind of extinguished really fast. So you had all these had all these uh, homes for sale, and my dad, my my dad's a a, mecha- a diesel mechanic, and it was either uh, Canada or Minnesota. Sure. And the company in Canada wanted him real bad, but what eventually happened was. Uh, they couldn't afford they 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 couldn't afford his visa, his visa to go up there. So the, he took a job in in uh, Wilmer, Minnesota, as a as a field mechanic. Yeah, I know where Wilmer. Yeah. Is. Okay. yeah, a little bit out in the woods is a little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit out there, yeah. and you know, coming from, uh, you know, coming from like a like a like a town of 50,000 of Woodland, California to, you know, a small town where, you know, everyone kind of knows each other oh, yeah. was that's kind Wil- of, that's Wilmore, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it was kind of a, you know, learning experience. And also uh, I started, I, I went to like the little welding school out there. So I'm a trained, I'm a trained welder full time. Really? I, this is, I never knew this about you. Yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, kind of, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of like one of those, like, you know, it's a great career to get into and it allows me to kind of afford some of the, some of the stuff I couldn't afford in, in, uh, in art school, uh, going to American River College, which is another, uh, community college. But that, because like I say, working digitally and airbrush, that's expensive. Yeah, it's, it's expensive. expensive. There's, uh, you know, there's, especially the airbrush, um, it's mostly a handful of companies now. There's the Badger, there's the Passat, and the one I use is Awada, which is a company in Japan. I didn't know about this. Okay. Uh, and so there, there's a couple. I mean, if you really want to get into, you could you can start out going to like Harbor Freight and getting like the twenty five dollar one just so you learn kind of like on the on the cheap stuff first then before going to the expensive equipment yeah uh, well when you work in airbrush do you have to like wear a mask uh yeah you have to wear a mask so and also have you know kind of have a window open <laughs> too and you can I, uh, you can make like your home ventilation which is if you go to if you go to any hardware store, you can pick up like a like a house fan and a filter, oh, and use it that way. I've seen a lot of uh, uh, posts on Facebook of homemade filter devices, but if you want like a like the state of the art ones, you're gonna have to spend like 
above a thousand dollars. Right. That's why I say that I was always impressed that you were doing digital and um, airbrushing because it can get very expensive. Uh, yes, it, it, it does get uh, very expensive. None of that. It takes a lot of hours of practice just to be familiar with the mechanics and operation of airbrushing. But now that I understand that you do welding, which is kind of almost the same kind of discipline. Uh, yeah. Um, a little bit of a little bit of the same kind of discipline of using air pressure and gas and mechanics and uh, stuff. So you got a little bit of practice before you get started with um, airbrushing. But it's you do magnificent work with it. Uh, thank you. Um, what um, when you pick subject matters? So I know you do cars. Um, yeah, the I do a lot of cars and also, uh, you know, kind of like what you know what what's a little bit more inspiring to do um i know like the fancy art uh fancy art that you know that i you know i i draw inspiration from yeah yeah um sometimes maybe problematic on on uh on facebook and instagram so i usually kind of switch from both i get it yeah because sometimes if you even if you put a loincloth on a girl that gets flagged oh uh, yeah yeah and so I, so I've been, uh, I've been doing like cars, like car designs. I've been really fascinated about, uh, car, like car design too. And so I've been, I've been, uh, watching a lot of like sometimes automotive documentaries on YouTube and, and, uh, YouTube and, 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 uh, Netflix, uh, there, I I know you're a big Paul Newman fan. You you mentioned oh, me, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was uh they call he would probably been a, at the time like a gentleman driver. Uh, he was he was uh, always on these endurance racing teams. Yes, right, yeah. And uh, he went over. I remember watching this one documentary. They're probably gonna, you know, if they make it into like a film, it probably would be. Uh, either it would probably be like a combination of uh, uh boogie nights and days of thunder um if you don't know the history of of uh of uh paul newman uh he was a race car driver he went over to lamont and placed second to the team to the team that won uh they were they were the whittington brothers and they were drug smugglers because <laughs> even though paul newman brought in million dollar sponsors with his name he had like tropicana and peanut peanut sponsors right yeah uh he couldn't compete with uh vast unlimited uh vast unlimited income of like drugs drug money coming in the the, the sport cleaned up because now you have to put in like you know where the money's come from from like a legitimate source, right? They do. They do um, if I my basic knowledge of formula racing is you have to almost get in like a, an audit. Yeah. Of and then you, even you can't even hide dark money, but where are you getting your revenue stream? Even in the car manufacturers of where you're getting your sponsorship. But yeah, at the time when Paul was writing, you could pretty much get unsolicited anonymous donations into your corporation or your racing team. I mean, yep. And, and, uh, and there's the other fascinating thing about the, you know, the Wayne Tim brothers, the team he lost to was the, 
the way the order goes in like the Lamas series or the or the race he was in, uh, they have the professional driver on the team, and they and they're and they were like the two amateur drivers, but it's dictated by the like the owner of the team, and the owner of the team put the professional guy up front, but if you don't don't know anything about racing like if the car crashes then then uh then you're out of the race so the two brothers wanted to go first and the owner's like well you're not going first i decide the lineup and they told them what can we do to go first and they go well if you give me at at the time uh like close to like a million dollars it ended up being like seven hundred thousand dollars <laughs> and so they went back to their hauler and they had like seven hundred thousand dollars in American money and they just gave it to the owner saying, Yeah, here's our here's our bag of money. <laughs> now we're now we're gonna be the leads, right? Yeah. Yeah. So cars is a big fascination for Yeah, me. cars and also and a lot of like, you know, science fiction like artwork and movies and stuff. Um I think my first movie that had like robots in them was this one movie called Robotrox. I've never heard of this. Okay. Uh, it's uh, it's made by uh, Stuart Gordon. He's a big. He was a big horror movie. Oh, I know Stuart Gordon. Yeah, right, he yeah. Uh, uh, pretty much. Um, it was made in 1990. Uh, it, it, uh, the uh, it was pretty much like you know. The setting is like World War Four happened, and the only way to solve like conflict is to build these giant robots. Oh, I see. So and, like the robots doing the yeah. War of, okay. So they would have like these kind of like futuristic MMA type of matches with like you know these robots, but it'd be like almost like what if you mix like sports and war in the same time? So you have these pilots called Robo Jocks piling these robots. And you can tell it's, uh, you know, stereotypical, you know, Russia versus America because that's the only countries left. Right. That was at the time. That's what we thought would be right. That the end scenario was like, yeah, those two guys. Right. So that was like, you know, pretty cool. Like, it, I know some of the stuff was dated, like they use stop motion, but to like a like a like a five-year-old it was like the greatest thing in the world <laughs> I'm, it's called robo jocks yeah robo jocks um it, it was directed by uh directed by Stuart gordon i'm gonna have to write that down okay i i i i, I how did i miss this movie from 1990 because i was i was a teenager back then but i have to look this up and i know student gordon films so like reanimator and all that stuff so right yeah so like all those stuff now I have to ask you because you just to go back a little bit. I know you do a lot of cars. Uh huh. What is your favorite car? Uh, probably, uh, probably right now. Uh, you know, I'm very bit very big into the you know Japanese import scene. Like you know, I'm a big Subaru, like a big Subaru fan. Okay. And uh, also, I, I you know I probably have to wait a couple more years, but to probably get an original like Nissan Skyline R twenty nine. Cause, okay. Because uh, you can't buy certain certain Japanese import cars in America, so you kind of have to wait a little bit. Oh, all right. Yes, I didn't think about that. All right. So, 
That is, have you done a, have you done a artwork for those? Uh, yeah, I've got, I did, you know, I have a bunch of them at home that I haven't posted yet. So, you know, I did the, you know, the Subaru hatchback RWX, which is their touring, their touring, uh, their rally car. Well, now would be even though we're going to put the information box uh, down below. I think it's a good time to how can people find your artwork right now? Um, my where the where you can find me is uh, I'm very active on on TikTok, so it'd be art by Tyler Prawl, uh, uh, all one word. Yeah, art by okay. Uh, if you I have a shoe as a logo, so I'm the I'm the shoe logo. <laughs> um. But also, you can find me on Instagram at Art by Tyler Prawl too. And then, and then also coming up, you're going to be at Nerding Out. Yeah, I'll be at Nerding Out, and that's uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. And then, what's next after that? Um, right now, after that, I don't have anything uh, lined up. Um, there was a uh, there's a couple shows I'm hoping to get into next year that I'm still waiting for. Yeah, it's almost like if you want to go to a, if you want to plan for a summer, you almost have to like do it now. Plan for yeah. a summer con, you have to almost think about six months ahead. Um, but right, we kind of missed you at Twin Cities con. Uh, yeah, um, I didn't know. Actually, I didn't know about it until in September, where I kind of committed financially to, uh, to uh, uh, the fall con in uh, last or a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the Falcon. I was there too. Uh, the Falcon and um, at the Minnesota State Fair, and I don't know if the the same. I think it's Midwest Comic Book fans. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you know. I don't know if they could do a Spring Con. Do you? Sometimes they do. Sometimes not. But hopefully they will we'll have enough where we'd be safe to have a Spring Con. Yeah, same here. Because they're wonderful people to work. Yeah, with. they are wonderful people to work with. Yeah, they have, and then I would like to interest them because I we just announced re, a couple a uh, couple days ago, Twin Cities Con's coming back. Oh, they are. So, um, and they were really run a smooth, magnificent operation, especially for being the first time uh, doing an event of Twin Cities Con. But they're definitely coming back next year. Uh, they, they're a wonderful, great team to work with. Also, uh, where they run, where they run the same as Galaxy Con. No, different people. Okay. They just come, came in and filled in a little bit void. I don't think GalaxyCon is going to come back. It was a little bit of a salty, frictionous atmosphere. Um, went on negotiate, negotiating, canceling for COVID. Yeah, I, I heard a lot of a lot of uh, uh, conventions were were uh, in the same situation, too. So. Yeah. so I have to say, like you and I, who look for cons to get our tables and promote our stuff is very much the same kind of thing where people look for when they make movies for film festivals. They kind of have to, it's almost an artwork of yourself. You kind of have to navigate what you think works best. There's even in the Twin Cities area, there's stuff like Sukon, which is South Dakota. That's a really good one. Um, Up in Fargo, they have had ValleyCon, which is a great venue too. And you have what um, the Minnesota State Fair, you have SpringCon, FallCon. And uh, I think even Milwaukee has a great uh, con. So even in this little pocket area, there are some great cons. So you don't have to travel very far, even though you and I probably love to get into Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, C two E two. Right. Even I know even in the, in the, our most famous Dave Wheeler is Minnesota, and he hasn't been able to get it. It's it's a, it's a very competitive thing to get into Chicago's uh, con. Yeah, the same thing uh, back home in California. There was the uh, Sacramento. 
anime convention or sack anime for short yeah uh they're pretty competitive to get in you almost have to i don't want to say know the uh illuminati type of facebook group but you have to get some kind of yeah. notoriety. You have to have something where people can recognize, right? Yeah, I kind of have some sort of rec- recognition. And also the other two, you know, there's also the big San Diego Comic-Con, which is in San Diego. Uh, that's kind of a legacy uh, application to get into. And that's almost like a filmmaker getting their film into Sundance. Yeah. Or, yeah, it, 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 us to get into a table at San Diego Con is the big thing. Yeah, and I heard from from people who do it every year, it's not cheap. It's uh, for a table, for a normal table, like a 3 by 6 or like a 4 by 8 it's about $7,000. Yeah, and you want to give me that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wish I had seven thousand dollars to well, then, do uh, that. So, but I was at my where my table was for Falcon. There was a dealership. I had a, my table faced the dealership. Uh-huh. It's the in, that, in the aisle. So, and of course, the dealership's putting all their expensive comics in front to watch. And there it was. It was Hulk, Incredible Hulk one eighty one featuring Wolverine. Yeah, and I could it could have been mine for eight thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was going to bring it up. Do you collect comics? Uh, yes, uh, I do. Just not the uh, kind of like the, you know, I try looking for like the, the collectibles I can afford, like the and like some of them that aren't graded. Like I got the issue, you know, I first started getting my, you know, my real paycheck from my welding job. I bought the the issue where uh, it, it was uh Wolverine versus versus the Hulk. It was his one where he had the claws out, yeah. and uh, it was it was uh, uh, drawn by Todd McFlarren. Oh, you're right. Yes, Todd. Yes. Yeah. There's a couple. Too bad we well, we do a strictly audio, but if you know my studio, there's a couple comic books hanging on the wall that Todd did the cover for. Okay. Um, and I, if you know, Todd's invented Spawn. He did uh, Batman as well. But I think he invented Spawn because he loves drawing capes. There's yeah. Just, he can't deny it. He loves drawing capes. Yeah. Um, and so, but but yeah, I got, you know, I got the, you know, I start, then I started looking for uh, Michael Turner's early work. Like I got like the first issue of Witchblade uh, for like $75 and then I that came out probably when you were like in second grade, first grade. Uh, I think it came out in like somewhere in 1998 or 1998. Oh, the later part. Yeah, later part. Uh, he he was kind of he was kind of towards the tail end when the comic book industry kind of imploded on itself. Yeah, well, I'm thinking. I, excuse me. I thought Witchblade was one of the first from Image. But it came a little bit later. Yeah, it came a little bit later. Uh, after Young Bloods and all that. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was right after a couple years into Mark Silvestri's uh, run at when he started Top Cow. It was a couple years in. Yeah, uh, he's mostly known for like the X his X Men run, his uh, X Men run. Yeah, I still I have a couple of copies of him, but. I don't know. Do you remember the Witchblade TV show? Uh, yeah, I remember the Witchblade TV show, and I know uh, they interviewed Yancey Butler, who played uh, Sarah Pizzini, and she looked at the costume and she called her agent going, no, I'm not doing this. 
Because it went from kind of like this, uh, like Geiger s costume to like her having like just a gauntlet, like a metal medieval gauntlet. Right. It was almost like a Red Sonia kind of like almost. Yeah, it's gonna be awkward. Yeah, but it was a good TV show. Yeah, it was. It was a good TV show. The network, unfortunately, uh, because if you don't know anything about cable television, uh, they're subscription driven and ad driven, and the network didn't have enough money to to keep the show on because they wanted to keep their they wanted to keep like their bread and butter, which is like uh, basketball. Like TNT will always be known for basketball. Yeah. Uh, they just started doing their original dramas and they just brought back wrestling. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper than creating a whole new TV show yeah. rather than just showing sports live action, right? It's a lot cheaper than and you get the viewerships and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, how long does it take to do one of your original work? Um, uh, it takes a couple it takes a couple weeks not because not not because of time but also because when you work when you work over 10 hours a day or close to 10 hours a day uh just standing and welding and well and uh wearing your leathers leathers all day you know it does get tiring yeah so i'm like you know at the end of the day you know, I'm just like, you know, crashed on the couch. <laughs> it's understandable, right? Yeah. yeah. And so what and en- what ends up happening is I kinda have to, you know, schedule time like at least an hour a day to to paint. Uh to paint. And so what I do on the weekends is, you know, I'll schedule like a large chunk of time. And so and so I'll usually keep the T V on real loud just to have some background noise. And, and well, like I say, if you work with an airbrush, it's not a quiet. No, it's not thing. a quiet, quiet thing. They do sell silent airbrushes, but still, it's you can still hear the little motor yeah. uh, click on and off. So, but yeah, it takes me, it, it takes me a while because you know normally I'm you know it's like you know I'm working, you know if you work full time, then you kind of have to schedule. But I usually try to get one done every two weeks. I yeah. well, I, I, not only that, it's probably you have to you, before you work digitally or but you almost have to plan it out how, what you're going to do. Uh, yes, first. Uh, a lot of times, like I do, when I can just kind of like little free it or a little wing it. Sometimes just starting from scratch. When you're working with airbrush, it's you can have to really plan out meticulously what you want to do. Right, so it does take a lot of planning. Uh, yes, and also you have to work from. Uh, from a uh, light to dark, not dark to light. When you when you paint with acrylics or or water watercolor, uh, right? Yeah, you have to start light, then go to the dark. I yeah, I think it's the opposite, right? And and uh, depending upon which surface you you paint on, um, I I've been switching back from wood panels to to uh painting back on uh clayboard. Uh, really? which, which is kind of like a clayboard has the same characteristics as uh, a painted car surface. So, oh, clever. So it's uh, it, if you if you uh, it, if you're make if you're working with like a stunt if you're working with like uh, any store bought stencils, uh, you can just put it on the surface and just spray it. But if you're if you have to do some cutting from uh, 
from an enlarged print from a large like photocopy print I do you have to you know be careful not to go too far deep because if you gouge the surface it does show up yeah. on okay right yeah so uh kind of the way I can explain is uh if you if you see like a like a scratch on your car and you can't buff it out it's equivalent to that it's almost like yeah it's almost a delicate, very delicate procedure that I don't think people recognize. Yeah. Um, so, but with the advent of the the home cricket machine, uh, the ones that a lot of people usually use for crafts, you can make uh, stencils on vinyl. And so a lot of airbrush artists are switching over to the vinyl sticker because they can still, they can still uh, not only cut it, but they don't have to take the exacto knife and cut every single uh a strand of hair if you're working if you're doing portraits if you're working with hair uh i i usually if you have to cut like the big parts of the flowing hair you know it does get you know pretty pretty tricky sometimes (laughs) right right well we're gonna take a small little break and then uh, Tyler has a big announcement to talk about. Um, he's mentioned it before on TikTok. So uh, we're going to take a small break and then back more with Tyler Pearl. Hi, this is Mouse. I'm Weens. And we are two sisters with the Mouse and Weens podcast. Nice and clear. <laughs> Come take a listen. It's fun. We talk about life, love, and pubic hair. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> and all sorts of fun family memories and stuff. Yeah. Come on. Stuff. We're on all the platforms, and we hope you take a listen. Bye. Bye. Suck it. Tyler, uh, we're back with Tyler Prawl, um, and we'll get to a little bit about California, but you have a special announcement I want to get to. So what's the big announcement that you uh, have for us today? Uh, yeah, I'll be at uh, Nerding Out Con in Rochester, Minnesota, uh, October 23rd through the 25th. Uh, that's my uh, that's my big show. Uh, that's my next big show of the year. And, and also, I have uh, started an nft a non-fudgeable token store on OpenSea. i have a couple images where you you could uh purchase purchase artwork digital artwork oh nice uh it's uh it's the new it's kind of the new thing right i've never heard about this so where can they find this again uh on open sea uh uh um, if you're on my TikTok account, I do have I do have a link tree set up where you can click on it, and it'll send you to the to my OpenSea store. So what is OpenSea? I'm I'm a little I'm sorry um, I'm a little naive to this. Uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a crypto exchange, but instead of currency, they they uh, sell you can sell artwork. There's a lot of. Uh, there's a couple artists on there that are making 
of course I'm not making millions of dollars, but they're making, I'm oh, sorry, they're making a, a million, they're making close to a million dollars selling uh, digital artwork on the, on the crypto blockchain. Okay. Okay, this is fascinating. Yeah, I, I do artworks about just like I knew. I, I'm interested about new avenues to show my stuff. Yeah, but the, but the there I only have a couple on because the gas they they have something called the gas fee, where, uh, where uh, you have to pay to post on the on the something called a blockchain. I see. And depending upon the gas fee, it could be like. Ten dollars to two hundred dollars, depending upon the the way the market goes, because it's on the Ethereum uh, blockchain, which is like a current a digital currency. I see. Okay. Right. Um, and also, I I know about a social media app. I don't. Uh, Vero. You ever tried that? I uh, know I haven't. V e r o. It's a little bit obscure. It's almost like Instagram. Okay. And that's another avenue that I use my show my artworks. It's not really as popular, but it's it's not as toxic as like Twitter or Facebook and anything like that. Okay. But it's definitely visual format. So if you like to, if you're interested in another avenue uh, for my listeners, especially including Tyler, if you want to try that out as well. Um, I know there's quite a bit of success using that as well. Um, you originally from California. Uh, yes. We're just uh, during the break. We're talking about because you like hockey, but where are you from? There's not many, many, very uh, hockey. Uh, rinks. No, there's not very many hockey rinks. It's more of considered uh, kind of you know f- either figure skating or or kind of like a a long narrow type of kind of like I would say like if you put two semi truck trailers together yeah that's it huh? yeah that's it but it's, it's it's just an amusing thing because i i grown up and, and li- lived here in minnesota almost all my life and i mean you go you can almost go every six blocks and there's a indoor hockey yeah around here. <laughs> and from there it looks like it's hard to find even na- navigate around i mean if you didn't know I, I do old man's hockey league okay so it's you have to be older than 40 um there's no checking okay there's no slap shots, and then we usually have women be the goalies. Okay. So they can just laugh at us on how pathetic we're playing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We usually have, a, and then we usually pay the female goalies because female equipment, you know, well, goalie equipment especially is very expensive, so we'll pay goalies to come and pay their parking just to be goalies for us. But um, every time they'll just start laughing at us because of like what. It, and they say, well, you look like you're playing hockey in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever want to try? I, I did roller hockey. Uh, I did roller hockey back home. Uh, it's just that the the Parks and Recs kind of, de- they, they kind of defunct it because the little, the little ring kept on getting vandalized by uh, soccer players using our nets. Ah. So they they kind of got sick and tired of paying the the maintenance for a for a hockey net, right? So, and, that, and especially where I where we record, um, if it, once it gets winter, there's a probably about and here in South St. Paul, um, you can probably have about we have about three outdoor rinks going. Okay. So even in the winter, we I remember even as a kid growing up, we would strap our skates on and go play outdoor hockey and i'll give you a little when i was a kid in elementary school in the late 80s we would bring our skate our skates and our stick to school 
and then lunchtime for recess, we will go down to the outdoor rink and play hockey for recess. Okay. In the winter. So that's kind of a that's a little thing that like what didn't anybody ever I thought everybody did that yeah <laughs> so we would have, one one shoulder had our backpacks and then all of us had our sticks and our uh, uh, skates on the other hand we would go play hockey okay and of course when, when school was out what did we go we go right back to the rink yeah. to school <laughs> yeah uh, baseball is pretty big. Uh, uh, pretty big and also you know you still have like the the football and and also uh, we have a big uh, uh latino community back home so soccer is really uh soccer is really a big thing right so, well we have uh, right across the street from us is a big soccer field so and i think the popularity here in minnesota is growing yeah um, we even have professional soccer in a new stadium for that so yeah it's amazing how you guys get you know, uh, funding for like, you know, new stadiums out here, new stadiums out here. Um, uh, when they, when the Kings were with the Sacramento Kings, like, I think they pulled the, uh, the moving card, uh, like the soccer, like Sacramento paid for a new downtown arena. Yeah. So, but yeah, I was kind of amazed you guys were able to get a, like a MLS team. MLS uh, soccer team out here. Yeah, and I've yet to go to a soccer. A prof- I haven't gone to a professional match yet. I've gone to a game, but yeah, we've all had fun. I know there's a podcast that talks about it too. Okay, is baseball another one here? Uh, baseball, uh, baseball. I'm uh, I'm really big into the Oakland Athletics. Um, that's our team. Uh, there. If you don't know. Uh, the area uh, Oakland's right across the bay from San Francisco. Yeah. And so they're every once in a while, you, they'll have to play each other like during interleague, interleague plays. Yes. And, yep. and the bad thing about the Oakland Coliseum is uh, it's still the same uh, Coliseum that seen better days. Cause it was built in like the, the later sixties, early seventies. And the, the running joke is uh, the visiting baseball team has to change in the Raiders locker room because the you know the facilities aren't up to, haven't been up to date. No, and no. So, and so that's why you kind of saw the Raiders leave to go to Las Vegas. Uh, go to Las Vegas is because they couldn't they they uh, they couldn't keep the Oakland Coliseum up to date. Yeah. And the and the city was like, well, you guys aren't winning, so we're not going to give you a billion dollars to build a new stadium. So that was the team when I was a kid, man. Yeah. When I, I think in the, like in the early '90s, late '80s, that was the team that everybody was scared of. Yeah. The um, yeah, the A's. And of course, when you when we did like retro gaming from the late '80s, what we do like major league, like what team you're picking? And it was like, I'm picking the A's. Like, yeah. Oh, no. Then you're like, what am I? What am I getting? Yeah, they had. Uh, I think Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were on that roster. Oh, uh, Kaseko. Yeah, Jose Kaseko. Yeah. Yeah. We all every. I think every boy my age had the Bash Brothers poster. Yeah. In their bedroom. Okay. Of Kaseko and McGuire. Everybody, I I had even a bash. I was I'm not a huge uh, A's fan, but everybody loved, but because they just hit home runs. Yeah, that's all they did. All home run, yeah. And uh, I know, I know the the Atlanta Braves had like the best pitching, right? Yes. F- for a while, the 
I think they had Chipper Jones. I, I'm trying to remember which position he played, but he was like one of the like the the big reasons why they went on like a 13 13 uh season tear of winning like at like NL East titles. They they won the one World Series. Yeah. Yes, they did. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was A's the Braves pitching was a big in the late 80s and then um, the Athletics will out home run you to like yeah. 12 to 4. <laughs> then uh then the New York Yankees finally woke up and started, you know, dominating. So right, I'm so old. I remember when the Yankees stunk. Yeah, okay, I remember in the like mid to even the little bit of late '80s that oh, the Yankees are town. Yeah, let's look, let's go make fun of them. Yeah. <laughs> did the Twins play at the old Metrodome, or did they have their own field that before then? Because I came when Target Field opened, or was that new before? Well. Yeah, Metrodome, yes, from like okay. 82 to whenever Target Field was made. So they played at the Metrodome. Okay. So, yeah, it was really one of those indoor ballparks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I heard they won like two World Series like within four years of each other or? Yeah, we, uh, Twins won in 87 and 91. Okay. So, um, but yeah, it was it was a it was a horrible place to watch good baseball. Okay. And, it, even, and then became a horrible place to watch horrible baseball. Okay. Oh, was it because the the lighting was so bright, or was it? It was just a cheap made facility, made on the fast. Okay. Because um, the Metro Metro Stadium, where they was where the Mall America was, Metro Stadium was a baseball stadium. Okay. Vikings and Twins played there, and just became outdated. And then people like, well, don't you just build another thing? And they made a cheap Metrodome. It was just made on the cheap and it was there was no pleasing aesthetic to it it was just very bland okay and this made just to function it was yeah and then when you leave because all the air was blowing out of it and then when you leave everybody's hats blew off okay because all the air was just blowing you out almost like almost like the air was kicking you out as you left so you watch team <laughs> team be horrible on the state and then you leave and then almost the stadium's kicking you out as well yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that it wasn't a great place to put the stadium. They almost put it there just to hopefully it would rejuvenate the area, but it just didn't pan out that way as well. Okay. But that's US Bank is on top of that now. Yeah, I've been to US Bank when when uh when they were uh right before the football they they usually like have like other events there just to you know, just to test out all the facilities and I was there when Metallica was there. Oh, you went to see that? Yeah, I went to see that. Um nice. Uh, I think they broke something because, like, I swear when they were like playing all the rock music, I heard like some sort of crashing noise somewhere. They so, did. yeah. <laughs> I tell you one when I went when I started listening to Metallica here at home, uh-huh. my neighbors are gonna have to do it too. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's the old nursing rhyme: uh, "Roses are red, violets are blue." When I listen to Metallica, my neighbors do too. Okay, <laughs> that'd be a good show. Yeah, it was a good show. I think they were still trying to figure out the uh, the acoustics because things kept on echoing back. Right, how to right how to fun- keep it closed, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, you know the same problem probably happened at at Sunshine and Wilmer when they had when they brought in Skillet, another uh, rock band I listened to. Um, uh, the running joke was uh, you can hear the music play in downtown Wilmer when Sunshine. Like, you didn't have to buy a ticket. 
because <laughs> it's pretty much open field and and uh, these huge uh, speakers pointing in one direction. I get it. Right. Yeah. That's. that's I don't know what is sunshine. Uh, it was a, a Christian music festival, and a Skillet was there. Um, uh, they're kind of a uh, rock, the last rock band, except for Adele, who went platinum. Uh, they were the last like uh, rock band to go platinum in 2012 off of an album that came out like two years earlier, uh, their Monster album. Okay. Uh, uh, they 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 uh, uh, they it took them like a while to get famous. I think they were like four or five albums in. Uh, be, uh, before the band got popular and the uh, the sole surviving you know I hate to say this like the sole surviving member is uh as is a uh, Chris Cooper he was the the last original founder the rest are uh, kind of uh, band members they kind of added uh, later on okay um, and I'd never heard about this band I got to be interesting to check out do you listen to music when you do uh, yeah, artworks yes i do i uh uh there was an old co-worker that got me into like european european metal uh uh nightwish and uh epica what are those another yeah line? they're uh uh nightwish is nightwish uh they're known for having like a female opera operatic singer so oh my gosh. okay uh then uh epica they it's the same you know it's a like a female rock rock uh uh female uh lead singer rock band uh they haven't quite hit hit it big in america yet probably like the small little like niche pockets of the metal community uh but they're pretty big in europe all right all right, they just haven't 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 hit the mark where they can come over here. Yeah, they they haven't hit the mark like Iron Maiden has, where you know they they put out like the the num like the number of the catchy song, the number of the beast. Right, I I remember as a kid, Iron Maiden would never got on the radio, but everybody knew their albums. Yeah, and they made money that way. It's almost like you'll never hear a Slayer on the radio, but Slayer is one of the most best selling most profitable yeah. bands ever and they never got on the radio and everybody they have a huge following so i think like you like we mentioned before if you especially if you do metal rock you have to have almost like a huge following before the radio catches up to yeah you the see. yeah the kind of double back to uh skillet where uh chris cooper was or john how do i say chris cooper uh, john cooper his, his real name's john, john cooper, cooper. Right. uh they you know you know, being a they they said being a Christian rock band, it was hard to play on like the Christian rock stations because they were too heavy. <laughs> and the, when they went to like the the like the larger markets, like like a uh, Market One, New York, or Market Two, L.A., like the program directors would go, "Yeah, you guys aren't hard enough for us." Hey, they can't find the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they kind of had to wait until. Uh, uh, like in the mid two thousands, uh, for one of their albums to kind of get some sort of attention. You know what? I think I think the same thing happened with uh, the band Mod- Modest Mouse. Yeah, because obviously they're successful, but there's really no way you could promote them because what the heck are they? They're like promo. They're like emo rock. Are they folk? Are they yeah. electronic? <laughs> are they heavy? 
And they, they said we go through all these promotional agents because they didn't really know how to advertise us or where to find us. But, you know, they got success. So it's, sometimes it's harder, especially like creative people, it's hard to navigate where you belong. Yeah, because... Uh, or where you can fit in. Yeah, because uh, uh, I know with my artwork, especially my, you know, my fancy pinup, pinup drawings, um, I think I sold like one. But the one that kind of caught people's eyes were these space moon paintings I started doing that I kind of did by accident. That I kind of did by accident and brought them to like the, when, uh, when the, when the MSP show did like their little small show at the, uh, at the Mermaid Event Center. Uh, that was completely by accident and they, and people were like, people bought those up like it was the first time i i made a profit for for a show is it nice that you're almost like what this is working yeah and also i i I made like little sticker designs too and those help out as well i have to say i agree it's with tyler and i've discovered myself make stickers yeah kids love them stickers and buttons man yeah especially from uh, i have uh i do uh these two stick two uh two gun sticker designs from aliens and robocop <laughs> and yeah and uh if you don't know anything about you know how guns are made they're made from like being a gunsmith and you, you kind of have like i know the i know you mentioned on the on the podcast about using uh using guns and stuff like for movie sets Right. Yeah. Like. Um, well. Yeah. Because like, I. I. For my movie, I, we use a legitimate gun, but there was no casing for it. We didn't even shoot blanks. Okay. But still, if you have a real gun on set, we would have it keep in a bag. I would announce all right, guns back in the holster and everything and everything. So even though we never had live rounds or didn't even use blanks, they're empty, and uh, we just use effects to guns being fired in the movie, or when a gun shot, we put off frame. We still practice all the safety. Yeah. Like there. There's a lot of. Uh, uh, you know, my dad. My dad. Uh, he started uh, shooting his little. He started shooting uh, as a hobby, and even me and him go out. Go out together. We usually take like you know safety precautions. There's a lot of, there. There's a lot of safety precautions with guns. Yeah, and especially on a movie too. Yeah, when we do that. And like I said, for my movie, there was a lot. We did the outside scenes with guns, and we contacted. Everybody, we contacted the police and Park and Recreation. Everybody let them know to put on their dockets that, yes, we're filming and there will be people with guns out there. So so even if you're going to make a movie and you'd be out and about, let everybody know firsthand, um, you know, cities, officials, and, and Parks and Recreation. Especially if you're going to film at a park because all of a sudden if you do a film and then some complete stranger like, oh, my God, they'll call the police yeah. on you. <laughs> So, but it was nice because when we did ours and we let them know that we're gonna have guns on site, actually they stopped, They went to the parking lot and stayed there until we finished. Just to let her, just to, you know, we won't be interrupted or anything. Like okay, that. Yeah. and and uh, also I, I I know down in you know like Hollywood and stuff like they have like professional gunsmiths on set to make sure you're or range masters make sure you they tell the actors what to do. Yep. Yeah, I think if the next movie I make and if I use weapons, I would definitely have an expert on site. Okay. Uh, even if you have a stunt, like somebody falling down, I would have a stunt coordinator on site too. Because even simple things of people like falling down when they get shot, 
or certain actions of dancing or anything, you want a coordinator to work with actors and stuff like that. So I think the next movie, if I do, if I have a stunt coordinator, as well as a casting director on site, because if an actor and actresses are not fun, you know, they have somebody to correspond with, you know, working out and navigating a scene. Those are just things that you don't really think about when you're making stuff. Okay. And, uh, and I know well, there's a lot of filmmaking, there's a lot of, when on my TikTok account, there's a lot of like filmmakers, uh, aspiring filmmakers are jumping on TikTok because, because it's such a, a visual uh, app. Yeah, I'm still kind of hesitant to use it because, you know, because another thing that I'll be sucked into and I'll be addicted yeah. and all that stuff, and then I got to get my work done. Yeah, and, and also, uh, this is coming from from my experience uh, using TikTok. Um, you kind of have to find your niche. Yeah. So if art's your niche, you want to stick with that and also uh, pick other artists that are uh, doing that niche as well. Sure, right. Um, I did have one, one, uh, one video that went viral uh, off of TikTok. Uh, it's it was actually my fifth video in a series of uh, uh, bad advice I heard in art school. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the bad advice? Uh, there was a couple where uh, there was a couple where a professor said you need these brand of paint, which was like Windsor Newton paints to succeed in oil painting. Right. And turns out it was his favorite oil painting, that oil brand of oil paint that he liked to use. So he told all of his students just to buy this expensive brand because he liked it. Because he liked it. I had a I had a watercolor teacher exactly like that. You had to buy, buy certain brushes. Not only that, you had to buy certain bottle water to work with. You couldn't use tap water. When yeah. What he had to like it's like, and so. Even with yeah, even with airbrushing and all that, you find the people that are just so. Ch- yeah, and uh, and then the the vi- the video that that went viral, it was kind of more of a story than bad advice. Um, it was it was a story that I heard from a classmate, uh, uh from a classmate that I that I used. Uh, uh the we had this thing called uh second saturdays where all the art galleries in sacramento opened up it was kind of like an open house type of oh that's cool um uh, i know they, these aren't the uh the multi-million dollar art galleries are in new york city uh these are kind of like you know small galleries that you know make a living framing pictures and stuff and but they do sell but they do serve like alcohol beverages and one of my one of my professors said, okay, if you guys do this second Saturday thing and if you if you see me at one of the art galleries, you get a, a, a bump in your letter grade. All right. And All right. so he gave out his like ske- like his normal route that he would take. And there was this one popular art gallery that everyone liked going to. I forget the name of it, but it was really popular. Uh, and so all the kids were like, Hey, let's just go to that art gallery. Cause that's his favorite one. And so it ended up being the one night he decided not to go to the art gallery. <laughs> and so the following, I guess it was like 
Monday or Tuesday, like he got like a call from the gallery owner saying like your kid, like your broke college students drink all my, drink all my, uh, all my wine. Of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Course, like they're going to, right. Yeah. They're going to like, you know, you know, especially like when you're like when you're at that college age, like you're still trying to figure out your, your life and, and, uh, and so, and so like when you give someone like free alcohol, you know, kind of warning, like, you know, don't drink and drive. Okay, so warning, don't give out your schedule. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so like he, he, uh, he didn't, uh, he kind of told everybody the following month saying, okay, it, I may or may not show up to like certain galleries. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, I have to say, Tyler, thanks for coming. Uh, thank you. It's been a wonderful pleasure. I love talking with you. Um, you can definitely find, like I said, we can find Tyler on TikTok. You can check him out at Nerdin' Out uh, Con in Rochester in a couple weeks. Um, and check out those great artworks with here. It's a pleasure to have you come on. And it's a wonderful fun to have you be my the, the fir- you, first podcast, and it's on my show. Uh, thank you. So, And Tyler knows. Um, thanks for coming again, Tyler. But he knows it's not over till the guests say it's over. It, it's over. Yeah, there we go. Yeah.